Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to MAF Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three-time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bible's director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away. Welcome to Mavs Sports Take, episode 52, your weekly podcast for sports, business, and a whole lot more. Here we tackle the business of all the news you hear about, and a lot that you don't. Obviously, speaking about grossly from a sports perspective, tonight we are going to be diving in some of this week's preseason action by focusing, of course, on some rookie headlines with some mailbag thrown in at the end. Before we get going, are you an athlete looking to make money off of your name, image, or likeness? Whether you're a male or female athlete, there is a lot of opportunity out there for you to monetize your NIL while going to school. While others are approaching you, they have ulterior motives to gain you as a client later in life. Maverick Sports Consulting is offering you a friend in the business to assist you in finding opportunities, guide you to protective deals that are focused to benefit you. It doesn't matter if you're a male or a female athlete, a golfer, a tennis player, a football player, or a basketball player. You could be earning money for your name, image, and likeness right now. Email Maverick Sports Consulting today, and we will start working together tomorrow. So we are going to dive in some, some rookies tonight. We're going to dive into some mailbag questions. Of course, we are live here on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, every week, Tuesday nights, with my good friend, David Turner. Of course, you know him. He's a 19-year scouting vet, baby. NFL, CFL, Arena League, three straight Arena League championships with the Arizona Rattlers and part of their front office. David, how are you, my friend? I'm doing okay, doing all right. You know, it's just another day in the neighborhood over here for Mister Mr. Turner. <laughs> so, Mr. Turner, just yeah. yeah, just rocking and rolling in over here. Um, but no, doing good. I'm excited to talk some ball tonight. And uh, honestly, after having our first live draft show this year with me and you and Joe and everybody that was kind enough to come be part of our uh, our episode here in draft week, and I want to talk a little bit about how we you know anticipate seeing these young rookies take part in um, preseason, what we expect to see from them this weekend. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll turn this conversation into a, a fantasy conversation in a week or two, and we'll see what they look like. And, you know, you and I, you came up with a fun game for us to play in a couple weeks on here, so I'm excited about that. But tonight I just want, you know, re- rehash a little bit of the draft and see what teams are going to look like and what we should be looking forward to over the next couple of days. Yeah, and we are a very interactive podcast. So anybody, I think we have six or so guys in the podcast in the live for us right now. If you want to throw in some questions, we will be answering all night. Of course, we have the mailbag section, which I'm really excited about because we got a lot of questions, David. Last couple weeks, man, we've been flooded with the mailbag questions. So let's get through some of the rookie talk. Like David said, we're going to be going game by game here. We've picked eight games that we just want to dissect some rookie matchups in. 
So, David, of course, we need to start with the most important one, right? We're going to talk about the Washington football team taking on the New England Patriots. Of course, David picks this one because he wants to talk his boy, his quarterback one, Michael McCorkle Jones, better known as Mac. Potentially getting that's his name, man. I didn't I didn't write it. I know, but I just like the way you say it. The way you say it is just such attitude. I I mean, honestly, man, the minute I knew that his middle name was McCorkle, like first round, not a chance. But it still happened. 15th overall pick to the New England Patriots. Of course, as we know, the first week, right? The starters are gonna play what one to two series potentially. Like they're not gonna be playing very much in the first preseason action, you would think. Cam Newton is going to be the starting quarterback this week, of course, the New England Patriots, which means it's a good thing. We're going to be seeing a lot of Mac Jones. I think that is very important and very vital for his projection because I know a lot of people right now are saying like, hey, Cam is kind of having an up and down camp. Mac's having a good camp from, from what the reports have kind of been out there. Some people think that Mac could open up the season as the starting quarterback if he continues the trend that we are seeing of him in preseason. Um, David, for me, I think I think would still if I was a betting man, which I am sometimes, but if I was a more consistent betting man, I would still take Mac Jones as the start. Uh, I would still take Cam Newton, I should say, to be the starting quarterback week one. Are we on the same wavelength there in this first prospect matchup? Yes, I, I think you know. Again, I like Mac a little bit more than you do, and I think he fits the uh, you know the New England system real well. But I think week one coming out, you know, you go with Cam, gives you the best opportunity to win. And, you know, you, you, you're you lining up your veteran to, uh, again, help you win and and hopefully get that dub that week one. But we also know, here's the thing, Bilicek doesn't care about winning week one. He doesn't care about winning the first four. Like, let's be honest. I mean, was it was last year or the year before he went one and three in the first four. And everybody was, or it was two years ago, they went one and three in the first four, and everybody's saying, "Oh, they're done. New England's done. No one's gonna, you know, they're all washed up." Then they finish the year with a Super Bowl win. So, you know, he understands there's a 16 week season. That's what I love about Belichick. It's not all about instant coffee coming out, you know, dropping, you know, the dub on week one or two or three. It's like, hey, let's get these guys ready for what we expect around here in New England is a playoff run. So, if he were to go with Mac Jones. If he were to like line them up and say, Hey kid, you're going to take week one. Here we go. But again, I love this talk right now. It's all, Hey, what are we going to see in preseason? We got three preseason games. I anticipate, you know, first preseason game, a lot of rookies getting run very little, you know, very, very little um, run for the veterans week two, decent run. If not all the run for veterans and then week three, a series or two. And then, shut them down and let the rookies and kids uh, battling for position play the rest of the way. So I think it's going to be great tape. It's something we didn't get last year, a really great tape uh, for, you know, the, for uh, players and preseason games and different things. So this year we're going to be able to have preseason games. We're going to have great tape, get to, you know, get energetic and excited about some of these kids, you know, in, in addition to just having Mac Jones in new England come coming in, I want to see Christian Baltimore. I want to see Ronnie Perkins, you know, I'm excited about seeing these two additions to this defense and how they're going to, you know, come out and play in this Bill Belichick defense. You know, I think there's some other guys that they drafted. I thought it was a really good, strong draft for New England this year. So I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's let's see what they got. You know, on the other side of the ball, Washington, you know, I know you like Davis. He was a guy I thought was a stretch where they got him. 
but you I and like I both Davis. Is, you're lying to me. Go ahead. You like Davis. I we can not, rewind the man. tape. When they picked him, you got all excited. Go listen. Go listen. All I said was, and this was my take, I had a third-round grade on Davis, so I was very out on the first-round selection. But I did cut it a little bit of slack because Ron Rivera has a good track record of developing linebackers. Going to back to the Luke Keekleys and the Thomas Davis, he always seems to have a dude on the inside of the defense. So I am excited, though, I will say, to see Jamin Davis. I want to see him behind that defensive line that they have over there, obviously, with Deron Payne and John Allen and and uh, Chase Young and and Montez Sweat. Obviously, that is one of the best front fours. And Matt Ioannidis, too, just mixing it in. One of the best defensive lines in the NFL. Seeing Jamin Davis running around. I'll tell you, give you another one, David, that I'm excited about. I'm in, well, maybe not excited. Interested is the word that I would use. So at North Carolina, Deami Brown, the wide receiver, was used mostly in Phil Longo's offense as that vertical outside receiver who's playing strictly on a vertical plane. Like he is running go routes. He's running posts. He's running comebacks. Everything he is is staying on that vertical line, on that stem. Not, not much in-breaking route, not much nuance. In camp, they started to allow him to really hone in on his route running. I've seen some clips on him where he looks really smooth doing it. So I don't think that it was so much at North Carolina that he was only limited to running those types of routes. I just think that that's how Phil Longo's offense operates. I, I think that we're going to see him have a higher a higher um, demand on his route tree and have more uh, ability to use some of his nuance and to use some of his ability to w- win in and out of breaks. So I'm excited to see Deami Brown because if they hit on him with guys like Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson – with Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing the ball around, I am excited to see because I think that offense is going to be a lot better than some people think. Well, and on that note, I'm excited to see, you know, Samuel Cosme, who slid. We thought he would go a little higher than he did. Uh, Benjamin St. Juice, you know, it was, a, it was a, fa- a favorite of ours. You know, I want to see if he can come back from his senior bowl week and be the PBU machine that he was down there and break up. And John Bates, again, was the one I loved down at the senior bowl. Uh, Boise tight end, you know, I want to see him come in and, and play a little bit. So, you know, they they really had 10 draft picks there in Washington, thought they used them really wisely to address positions they needed. And again, they got Tony, uh, Shaka, was it how you say it? Shaka Tony? Um, uh, from Shaka, Shaka, Shaka Tony, you know, a defensive end that has a really good first step. William ba- Bradley King, another defensive end that has a good first step. So, you know, a couple guys late in the, in the draft, um, you know, talking round seven where they picked up two defensive ends that I I, I want to really see. And I hope they get a lot of run this weekend. Um, and uh, they could be really solid backups to Chase Young. And like you said, that front four that they have. I mean, if you think about hitting on a Tony, if he if he really pans out and hits for you late as a backup guy. I mean, now you're just reloading and giving your, your front line some breaks in between the 30s. And then, you know, bringing him in, let him get a couple of snaps, and then, boom, bring back the front-line guys. Wow. I mean, that, that would really give you a lot, of, uh, a lot of versatility up front. We have our first comment of the night. David, this is a, this is a fun one, man, because Tyler Dowdney was actually my old next-door neighbor coming into the chat with us. And say we're talking some college football. Right now, Ty, we're going through some rookie matchups in the NFL that we are excited about. So that's what we're going to be looking at. I says he's a diehard 
Michigan State fan, haven't followed them much this offseason. How's my team looking? We'll get into that. I think you have a question before us about Michigan State, maybe just the state of Michigan State football. That's going to be second half of the show. Ty, if you have any questions about any rookie matchups uh, for the preseason-wise or just rookies to keep an eye on throughout the preseason that you're excited about, pop them in and we can kind of talk about it. Next team that I want to talk about, next game I want to talk about, Dallas Cowboys taking on the Arizona Cardinals, David. So Dallas Cowboys already had a preseason game. And I don't know if you saw it, David, but my boy Micah Parsons looked pretty good. He looked pretty good, to say the least. And um, he, he had a fantastic first outing. He, for me, the exciting parts about Micah Parsons is why I had him as a top three player. Not, not regardless of of, uh, of bump in positional value. Michael Parsons, for me, was a top three player in this class because we see it, man. He's 6'3". He's 245 pounds. He's a stupid athlete. I love your comp that you kind of gave him a little bit to Patrick Willis. Like, I see it, man. Like, it's so, so there. But the thing that I was excited about was the improvements that he showed just going into his first preseason game after not playing a season – and after only going into his third year now of playing a true off-ball linebacker uh, spot, after playing defensive end in high school, the kid's going to be special, man. Seeing him play the way he did, seeing Nashawn Wright, who everybody ridiculed, the third-round cornerback out of Oregon State, who I liked. I had a third-round grade on him, and everybody's like, oh, that's a day three player. That's a late-round player. I'm like, let's, let's see it a little bit, man. He got beat once during the first preseason game, but he really played well, and he showed a lot of the ability at six foot four, running in the four fours, having the size profile and the athleticism profile. Excited about the Arizona card uh, of Dallas Cowboy rookie defenders, and they'll be facing off against a guy in the second round, Rondell Moore, who I liked a ton coming out of Purdue. Now, he was coming off an injury, so he – Fell in the draft a little bit because he was assumed to be like, hey, bitty, maybe bitty, first little round. Bit he's, a little, he's a little fella, man. But that dude his, is that dude his is on when he comes to the plate. Is I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. Hey, man, I wish I wish he was a little bit taller too. But all I know is he's four too fast, and he is a freak strength guy, like six hundred pounds squatter at one hundred and eighty pounds. Like my dude, you only have to go together. four inches. Oh, shut up. Shut up. Stop. <laughs> stop. Shut up, man. Rondell Moore's good. I'm telling you. And what he becomes good in that Cliff Kingsbury offense, just remember I said, and then, of course, the other guy that I'm excited about, it's a linebacker matchup. we got Michael Parsons on one side. We have the young man from Tulsa, of course, who I think you were a Zayvon Collins fan, but I was definitely a Zayvon Collins fan. Six foot four, 260 pounds. Kind of looks like that old school thumper, but man, he's got some athleticism to him as well. So he's going to be playing next to Isaiah Simmons, first round pick from last season, who's a dynamic athlete. So I'm excited to see how they mesh together. I'm excited for Zayvon Collins. I'm excited for Rondell Moore. But more than all, I'm excited to see some of these impact defenders. Zayvon Collins, Micah Parsons, Nashawn Wright. I am really looking forward to seeing how these guys gel. Kelvin Joseph, the cornerback out of Kentucky, rookie for Dallas as well. Defense is the name of the game for the Dallas Cowboys and Arizona Cardinals as far as rookies are concerned for me. Well, and I'm with you with that. I mean, the first, what, six, seven picks for Dallas this year were all defense. Like, I think it was, yeah, uh, shoot, yeah, the first seven picks, right, all defense. And I want to see uh, 
Jabril Cox. You know, I'm like, I'm like, let's let's see where Cox is. I mean, he's a friend of the show, and I, you know, I, he's an athletic guy that I like to see. So I was like, let's let's see where he's at. I think him and Michael yeah. Parsons are going to make a really dynamic duo in the middle there. And like you said, the week one, the first preseason Hall of Fame game, Michael Parsons just started showing. Like, like I, I, you know, I was a huge Michael Parsons fan. I did not want the Giants to pass on him. I wanted them to take him and and put him in that big blue. But they passed on him and, you know, wound up going a different direction with their pick. Uh, but Parsons, you know, I think he's going to be legit. Uh, Kelvin Joseph, uh, Osa, you know, Golston. I want to see how they all fit and mature. They get four preseason games. So I want to see how they all mature this preseason, whereas other rookies are only going to get two or three because they're going to get more limited reps. With these guys at Dallas and in Pittsburgh, right? They got the they got the two uh, four gamers, so they'll be able to mature a little bit, get a full preseason under their belt in my in my eyes. And like you said, now I like Zane and Collins. Um, you know, I like Zayvon a lot, but I didn't know how he fit in this system. I don't get how he fits in the Cardinal system. Like when you and I, co- you know, taught. Friday Night Scout School last year, I'm a system guy. I want to know how a guy fits in the system. I don't see him fitting in their system, so I hope they do. I hope they've adjusted a little bit. He's a good player. I really like him. The rest of the Cardinals draft for me, as you know, I wasn't really high on it. I didn't like it as much as you. I thought they stretched and reached, and they got some guys that definitely had some injuries and different things in their in their makeup, so wasn't a big fan. And, you know, the Moore kid, yeah, he's fast. I get it. But they don't have a lot of – I mean – Again, I think they could have used a different player at that position. They went out, they signed some guys in the offseason, you know, so we'll see how it all pet, you know, meshes and pairs together. Um, you know, and and again, I hope I hope you're right, but I mean, he's 5'7 and, you know, 180 pounds. We'll see how he you know, again, if he's just a, it's a monster yeah, yeah. Ant-Man, baby. He is so strong. So strong. Well, that might be a good that might be a good comp right there, Ant-Man. That might be a hey, Marvel. You might want to go out and sign this kid to be your uh, your Ant-Man representation in the NFL. So, anyways, I, I I'm more skeptical of what you know, Carol. Uh, the Cardinals did in, in preseason or in the draft. I'm very interested. Obviously, I live down here in Tempe, so we'll see a lot of their games. But I really am excited to see what more of this Dallas Cowboy rookie uh, defensive class. So we had another comment. Tyler is blowing up the chat tonight, which I love. Tyler, shout out to you. Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer is his request. Please touch on. I think it's going to be magic. He thinks it's going to be magic. I don't think it's going to be magic. I think one part of that sentence is going to be magic. But let's do it, David. Since Tyler's been such a good sport already in the chat, let's skip a couple games we want to talk about, and let's go to the Cleveland Browns taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars so that we can talk Trevor Lawrence. We can talk about Trevor Lawrence. We can talk about Travis Etienne, of course, the running back out of Clemson. A little Clemson magic in that backfield. I'm looking forward. First of all, you're looking forward to seeing Trevor Lawrence. He may have been the best quarterback to come out in college football since Andrew Luck, maybe before that, depending on who you ask. Some people are very high on him, like I was. But I will say this, that I am not only just looking forward to him play just for the general, you know, the – just for the general amusement of seeing the first overall selection. But also, I want to see what this offense looks like, man. I mean, they have some guys coming back. They have LaVisca Chenault, and they have DJ Chark, and they have James Robinson, who's a 1000 yard running back. But I want to see where their other first-round pick, Travis Etienne, fits into this. Because a lot of the the, uh, preseason, David, I don't know if you've seen this, but in camp, they've been using him a lot out of the slot with the first units, using his gifts as a pass receiver. I'm looking forward to seeing that. And then on Cleveland's side, this might be the best Cleveland Browns team 
that we have seen in some time. And focusing on the rookie, the biggest, I think, the biggest need that they had leaving, you know, entering the offseason was at cornerback. They had Greedy Williams, who had been injured, off injured. They had uh, Denzel Ward, who's a good football player, but like you're trying to figure out, is it going to be Troy Hill? Do we have to get a rookie? Well, they get a rookie, Greg Newsome, Northwestern, who I will say this, I was a little too hesitant on him because he also has a little bit of an injury background, like you were kind of talking about with the Arizona Cardinals. But I will say about Greg Newsome, if we're just talking about the film, without the injuries out of concern, the kid was fantastic this year at Northwestern. Like, just silly change of direction, the ability to mirror a match, to stay glued down the field. Like, he just is such a smooth-moving defender. And now he gets to face off against a couple talented receivers again and DJ Chark, and maybe he'll see a little bit of LaVisca Chanel and Marvin Jones. I want to see Greg Newsom, but also, of course, it all starts and ends with, Tre- with Trevor Lawrence. We want to see Trevor Lawrence, and I want to see how Travis Etienne fits into this offense with James Robinson at running back as well. I can't believe you talked about that whole game and you didn't bring up JOK. Like, seriously, the way you love JOK prior to the draft and during the draft and everything, I cannot believe you went through that whole game makeup and didn't talk about JOK. I love it, man. But if we're talking about, hey, we got the first overall pick in this game, we have a lot of excitement. Cleveland Browns, just excitement in general. For me, it's more about just the Cleveland Browns collectively. Like, I don't, I can't, I honestly can't remember more optimism in Cleveland. Like, are we going back to the Bernie Kosar years? Like, what was the last oh. time that you felt this positive about a Cleveland Browns team? So for me, their whole the whole outlook of the Cleveland Browns is the whole team collected. But I will say, Greg Newsom and, of course, Jeremiah Wusakormo, I think would have been a first-round pick if not for the late issue, obviously, of the heart condition that had to get rechecked, that we saw the big mess, obviously, with the combine medicals coming back late with the with the actual testing events being delayed, uh, being canceled, and then it just being a purely medical event. But I still would say I'm excited to see Jeremiah because I want to see you talking about scheme and fit. Where does Jeremiah Wusukoromoa fit into this defense? That he, I mean, he played a he played in the four two five at Notre Dame. He played that rover position, which it's it's tough to project because for a lot of guys, that's a big nickel. We don't see a ton of big nickel anymore. We're talking about true nickel corners that come into the game now. And if he nickel corners coming out, one linebacker's coming off the field. So can Jeremiah Wusukoromo play that weak side linebacker so he doesn't have to come off the field a ton? I'm more looking forward, not even just seeing Jeremiah Wusukoromo run around because he's a tremendous athlete, but I'm looking forward to seeing that scheme fit. How does the Cleveland Browns use him? I'm very interested to see that storyline as well. No, I'm with you on that uh, 100%. And the other one that's interesting to me being in Cleveland is uh, Felton, the running back that's out of UCLA that we saw at the Senior Bowl, play slot receiver like you're seeing ATN do over there in um, Jacksonville. I want to see how they use Felton, if they're going to do the same thing with him up in Cleveland, if he's going to be more of a slot receiver, if he's going to take some reps in the backfield. How creative is is that staff going to be with Felton? I think he was a great uh, pickup. Pick 211, I think it was, way back in the uh, seventh round. But he was just sitting there, and they couldn't pass up on him. I thought Cleveland had a really solid draft. Again, up front, you know, they got uh, Swartz, JOK, Newsome. Again, I wasn't as big of Newsome as you were because of the injury stuff, and I just I question if he's going to stay healthy and to do a first-round pick on a guy who has those health issues is just talking from a person who's built teams before. I think that's kind of hard to do. You know, but Tony Fields late, um, you know, Tommy Toga, uh, oh, yeah. the big. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
he, you know, I'm, 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 like I said, I like these guys. I think they had a solid draft and to see them go. And now, you know, obviously, we want to see Trevor Lawrence rip and rip, you know, rip it. We want to see ATN run. I thought that was a great second pickup for him. Go get your quarterback, then go get a guy that he's really comfortable throwing to, use, handing the ball off to, you know, let Travis come in and be like, you know, almost like a calming goat for him. I think it's going to be great um, having those two paired up. And then they go and get a long corner and Tyson Campbell wasn't really strong on Walker Little at Stanford. I, you know, guy, you know, didn't play a lot of football. So I was like, uh, I don't know about this. Apparently, not to cut you off, but apparently Walker Little has looked great so far in camp, just to put that out there. And again, I wasn't, a, I wasn't a Walker Little guy either. I wasn't a Walker Little guy at all either, but just saying, just that's the kind of the buzz around camp. And again, I'm all about it. I, I mean, I just thought I was a flyer in the second round. I think it was pick 13, number 45 overall. And he was a guy that, again, I just I thought it was high for him. I thought they could get him lower and invest in some other guys. But, you know, obviously, Trent Balky and Tom Gamble and, you know, coach over there are are high on him. And, and again, if it pans out and that kid winds up being a tackle, whether it's left or right tackle for you, and you got him at pick 45 and you have him for five, six, seven years, I mean, good for you. Like, you took a shot on a kid that most people were out on. But then, you know, you got Jordan Smith late, um, another defensive end. You got Jay Tufeli or whatever. Out of you, you did good. You did good. good. Tufeli, there we go. Uh, out of USC uh, a little bit later. So, you know, and Andre Cisco, uh, DB out of uh, St- uh, Syracuse. So, again, they, they, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, they, they put a real Jacksonville had a lot of draft picks and they wound up, you know, putting a lot together. They, I think they took nine draft picks this year. And you know what? They had a solid draft. So, I'm excited to see what they can do with everybody and this young, um, you know, coaching staff i mean the coaching staff that coach meyer put together is pretty young i want to see how they are you know the energy they bring to the table and what this defense and offense looks like now that's going to hit the nfl yeah i love that you hit on a couple of the defensive players for jacksonville the rookies because i am so excited to see i i feel like i was higher on andre cisco than just about everybody i know he was dealing with an injury so like he did not he wasn't able to test in the pre-draft process he wasn't able to show out on the field during the latter stages of this of his season but we're talking about in 24 games that he played at Syracuse, 13 interceptions. Like this kid is the definition of a ball hawk on the back end. I think he is going to pay huge dividends. And I've heard he's killing camp right now. If he's able to be the player that he was before the injury, that's a big help to the front seven, man. Because if he is a guy that can play that true center field role, that makes everybody in front of you so much better because you just have more flexibility to do things in your front and on the second level. Like you just have so much more versatility that you can use. I'm very excited. Walker Little, I think it's very important. I wasn't a big Walker Little guy, but I think it's very important because Cam Robinson has been a very hit or miss left tackle so far. So if Walker can develop, could be big for them. Got a couple more comments. Love the interaction tonight, man. Um, Adrian said, I also want to see a healthy Grant Delpit for the uh, for the Cleveland Browns. Yes, of course, second-year player, Grant Delpit out of LSU, is a fantastic player at LSU. Obviously, he fell to the second round um, due to just kind of an un- uneven junior campaign there at LSU, did, despite getting first-round talk throughout most of his career when he was playing. And then, of course, he tore his ACL, I believe. I don't think it was Achilles. I think it was an ACL prior to his rookie year. So, yes, excited to see 
couple of these guys back on. Yes, Tyler, I would say Trevor Lawrence is definitely going to play this preseason, man. He's a rookie quarterback. He doesn't get that uh, that Peyton Manning treatment yet. No, not really. yet. He's going to have to rip it. He's going to have to get out there and rip it. And I know we keep talking about injury concerns. Tyler's an Eagles fan, of course, saying taking uh, Eagles are taking the division. Relax there for a second. Watch out for Landon Dickerson. Speaking of Landon Dickerson. Oh, wow, Tyler. Woo! Wow. We were on a roll until you just threw that up in there. Landon Dickerson, we're talking about four season-ending injuries in five years in college. So, eh, yeah, you might want to throw your roll there. Still went in the second round. It doesn't make any sense. And the Eagles have a pretty solid offensive line, especially on the interior. So, I don't know how much he's going to play as a rookie coming off injury. But we will see about that one. Next game, of course, David. Oh, man, big Giants guy over here. So, we had to talk about the Battle of New York, Battle of the Big Apple. New York Jets versus the New York Giants. Uh, We're talking, of course, Zach Wilson, quarterback, second overall pick for the New York Jets. We're talking about um, their other first-round pick was, of course, the uh, offensive tackle out of USC, Elijah Vera Tucker, who is now playing inside a guard. David, I will say this, man. I wasn't a big fan of the trade-up to get Elijah Vera Tucker, but putting him next to Makai Becton should be a whole lot of fun, to say the least. And now we have also Michael Carter, the running back out of North Carolina for the Jets, getting assimilated to the opportunity there. I think as an all-purpose type weapon, there's going to be opportunity for him because they just do not have a very good backfield right now for the New York Jets. On the other side of the New York Giants, David's favorite, Kadarius Toney, right? They want to see how they mix him into the offense, want to see what he's able to do. Offensive firepower. Offensive fireworks potentially in this draft, Mr. David Turner. Hey, all I'm saying is Tony, 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 let's go. Let's go. I mean, if that kid hits, can you imagine all the sponsorships of like Tony Sperano and, uh, and stuff over there in New York? Oh, uh, uh, they're going to be memeing Tony's face on Spur- on, uh, on, the, on that guy. Is he's going to be out there? It's going to be great. But you know, again, I'm I'm excited to see Kadarius uh, join this offense and really be able to uh, explode onto the New York scene. I think he's going to have some great run after the catch stuff. He's he's going to open up a lot of passing lanes for other receivers to work behind him. But again, I mean, look at the, how solid. I really thought this was like one of the better Giants drafts that I've seen in the last two to three years because they got um, Azia. You got to say Aziz. it. Aziz Ojolari. There you go. Aziz Ojolari from Georgia, the guy who we all pegged in like maybe late first round. They picked yep. him up at player 50, 18th pick in the in the second round, if I'm right. And, um, you know, he's a defensive end, stand-up linebacker. We're not sure where he's going to play. I think he's going to be playing with more – you know, on ball, uh, stand up linebacker for them, you know, yeah. rushing off the edge and stuff. And then they come and get Aaron Robinson, one of our favorite players, Ellerson Smith. I mean, oh, yeah. this is this was a again, Ellerson Smith to me is a six technique, fits right in what they're doing with that 34 front now. I think he was a steal back in the fourth round. I really had a third round grade on him, thought he would go in the third with his length, his senior bowl practices, everything. So, you know, I was really 40. excited. 40-plus-inch vertical at 6'6", 260-plus pound. Absurd athlete explosiveness. Yeah, and then they got one of my favorite centers out of Florida right after the draft. Yeah, you know. I thought they stole him in free agency. So, I, you know, again, I give a lot of credit to Dave and the crew over there, Big Blue. Um, I'm excited to watch with them or watch and, and talk to them about them with uh, Patricia Trainer. She invited me to do some post uh post Giants game stuff with her so I can uh, talk more Giant football, which I'm excited about. And again, you know, 
let's talk the Jets. They had 10, 10 draft picks. I thought they did pretty solid with their draft picks. You know, for me, though, I didn't like the Zach Wilson trade. Again, it was just a, a situation where they're getting a rookie con- a contract over and above uh, the Sam Donald um, contract. They had to pay him. Vera Tucker, again, neither you or I like to trade up to get him. Does it look solid up the front? Yes, it looks solid up front. But to trade up and get a guard and give up what they got, uh, you know, what they had to to go get him was something I just was skeptical of. We'll see how it all pans out. Again, I'm never, again, saying I was wrong. I just don't know if that was worth the money, the value to go get him. And then, you know, Mr. Moore, Mr. Carter, I mean, talk about putting some firepower, you know, on offense there. I think both those guys are are going to be, you know, dynamic for for this Jets offense. So, again, I'm really excited to see what they did. I really think that, you know, they're going to be able to, you know, build off of this draft class moving forward. Um, you know, they've done a really good job putting themselves in position if Zach Wilson pans out. If he struggles, if he doesn't, and Sam Donald goes down to Carolina and rips it up, you know, that that's going to be the, the, the storyline for Joe Douglas. Yeah, and I've got to mention Elijah Moore, very talented wide receiver out of Ole Miss for the New York Jets. And it's going to be a big role, too, because originally I was thinking, hey, he's going to mix in with the slot. He, he, obviously, he's going to be a playmaker for them. He's a second-round pick. I thought he was going to kind of learn a little bit from Jamison Crowder there in the slot, though, and mix and match with those guys. But now apparently Denzel Mims might not make it out of training camp. So does Elijah Moore play a little bit outside with the speed that he has? Do they kind of work and mix and match? Does he play more like a Z receiver spot than a true slot role? Like I am excited to see what happens down there with the Jets because, hey, Joe Douglas, Robert Sala, I am a fan of what they have done as far as the drafting over the last couple of years, what Joe Douglas has put together. So I'm excited. If they hit on Zach Wilson, then it all looks good. But that's a big two be determined. Next game, we want to talk about David. If we want to talk about, man, I, oh, man, I'm going to try to be nice here. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice. All right. Uh, Let's be nice. Seattle Seahawks didn't have a first-round pick in the Jamal Adams trade. Uh, You traded for a box safety. Let's get off of that for a second. Uh, Their first pick on a team that has uh, pretty good wide receivers, DK Metcalf, if you heard of him, Um, Tyler Lockett, if you've heard of him, pretty good. They decided to draft Dwayne Eskridge with their first pick in the second rounds, which, okay. Wasn't a big fan, though, overall, <laughs> of the Seattle Seahawks. You know what pick I was even less of a fan of was the Oakland Raiders, or sorry, Las Vegas Raiders drafting uh, Alex Leatherwood in the first round <laughs> offensive tackle out of Alabama. Uh, wasn't a big fan of it. I will tell you what I'm a fan of, though. They got a couple really nice safeties. They drafted a ton of them, but like I do really like um, – the kid out of TCU, uh, Trevon Merrick, and I do really like Tyree Gillespie. I thought Gillespie, where they drafted him, was an absolute steal. So I think they shored up the safety position. I think they trade, they shored up the back end. But, man, they drafted a lot of safeties, and they drafted a guy that, honestly, I knew he was going to go in the first round just because he was a four-year starter at Alabama, has played multiple positions, started this many games, hits the size thresholds. Like, he was going to go first round. But no matter where he went in the first rounds, it was going to be a reach, in my opinion, as far as what the tape is concerned. I did not think that Alex Leatherwood was a first-round caliber player on tape, and I certainly, David, did not think that he was a top-20 player in this class. 
No, and I, anyway, we were all, our jaws all dropped on the show. I think there was a moment of silence and it wasn't for a good reason because we were all stunned that Alex Weather- Leatherwood was the 17th pick overall in this year's draft with so many other players on the board that could have went in front of them and that probably would have done more justice. And then to come out of the draft, like you said, with so many safeties, it was just like head scratching. Like they needed some help on offensive line more than Leatherwood and, um, they they just, you know, again, they passed and they kept taking DB after DB. And, you know, I, while we love Gillespie, I think I think we think he's a great – I think he's a good player. I think he's going to turn into a really good player. Nate Hobbs, you know, the versatile DB out of uh, Illinois who I found, what, two weeks or three weeks prior to the draft. And I was like, that's an Oakland Raider right there with all his, his measurables and testing numbers and everything. Um, but, again, it's just like – all these players, I don't know how they're going to fit, so it's going to be interesting to see how they use them, put them to use over there in the Oakland uh, secondary, and and then see how the team looks up front, offensive line-wise. You know, that's something that, again, Leatherwood, you hope pl- pans out for him. You hope Ryan and I are wrong. Um, it's not likely we are. When Usually when Ryan and I are on the same page, we're pretty dang right on it. Um, but Leatherwood ultimately is going to kick in and to play a guard somewhere in his career, much like we had to do with uh, Robert Gallery when I was there. You know, we tried him at left tackle, tried him at left tackle, and then eventually we kicked him in. He had a really good career in Seattle at a guard position, and that's that's ultimately what's going to be Leatherwood's, you know, you know, versatility going inside. He could probably even play center with his size and, you know, his strength. I just don't see the length for him to be a, a outside tackle, you know, capable per player. But that's just me. We'll see. And over on the other side, yeah, I'm usually a huge fan of what John does up there in Seattle and Trent Christian. Really? The I, I like, I, again, I, I just don't know what they did here. Like, you know, Dwayne, a short little Western Michigan wide receiver that, again, had a great senior bowl week. Ran good routes. I, I I think he's a high character guy. If I understand, if I remember right, Trey again a short DB. I don't get it. And then they come back with the Florida tackle, who to me was just kind of a guy, but they didn't even pick him up till the sixth round. So you know, I just don't like I said. I don't understand. Uh, I don't get their strategy. So you know, here is two teams. I don't understand strategy. That's why I was like, good. Let's talk about them tonight. Because I don't get the strategy in drafting with their their draft classes, I think it's uh, it's going to be a huge question marks for both the Raiders and the Seahawks going into preseason on what the the fans are really going to see coming out of it and what the, what kind of season we're going to see. The rookie classes don't give us a good indication on what's coming uh, for their seasons. And uh, in reply to a couple comments that we had, Tyler just just. Message Mav underscore sports under David's name, right? And he'll get you right next to Dave Gettleman on the sidelines for the Giants. He'll do that for you, all right? Um, and then Adrian says, I think Merrick finally gives them what they are looking for in a true cover safety. I would say that I think meshing him with guys like Jonathan Abram and Tyree Gillespie is going to be a good match. I think eventually what's going to happen is, is Abram's going to get pushed up full-time to the second level if he is a long-term kind of fixture for the Las Vegas Raiders. And I think you're going to be a, you're going to have two great, really nice split-field safeties with Tyree Gillespie and uh, Trevon Merrick, who can both rotate down or rotate to the middle of the field at times. Like I think that is what is going to really be 
the true asset to what they can bring. Because I don't think Merrick's a true center fielder type. I don't think he's a true free safety type. I think he's a multiplicative too high safety. I think that's what he's Multiplicative. Milka, I don't even know if that's a word. We're going to have to get a Scrabble check on that. It is. It is. I'm a math teacher. It it is absolutely a word. Yep. Go look at it. (laughs) I'm a math teacher. Trust me. I stayed out of quality in last night. We're good. Dude, trust me. Dude, trust me. Um, Next game, Carolina Panthers. You're you're fighting Sam Donalds versus uh, uh, who we got? The Indianapolis Colts. Oh, David, this was so sad, man. So sad. Carson Wentz got hurt already. Can you believe it? I mean, who would have thought that would ever happen? Who would have thought <laughs> that one, right? I mean, did you see my – I'm sorry, but I did Did you see my meme when that happened? It was just like, no, man, no, no surprise here. The guy was hurt coming out of college. He was hurt when they won the Super Bowl, and now he's hurt again. Like, shocker. So, so you know why it's really interesting, though, is I was getting ready to say, like, hey, uh, Quiddy Pay, defensive end out of Michigan, their first-round pick, right, the Indianapolis Colts. Like, that's the guy I want to watch because, you know, uh, combining him with a guy like DeForest Buckner gives you some nice athletes up front and gives you a little juice to that pass rush. That's what I want to see, right? But, no, th- there's a bigger layer here now, my friend. Now that, of course, the Wits isn't, isn't, um, isn't playing right now, we got second-year Jacob Eason at quarterback. But, hey – Sam Ellinger, quarterback out in Texas, got first team reps today, baby, going into the week. Oh man, does Sam Ellinger actually have a shot here? It's such a joke. I thought he was a, honestly, I thought he was a guy that would eventually be be like an H back fullback type, like kind of like a Tim Tebow ish type of player. But man, I think he's going to play some football this week, and he might have an opportunity to maybe win this starting job until Carson Wentz comes back, which is going to be. The weirdest thing in the world. So we're going to see that. And, of course, he's going to be throwing out a little bit. My boy, JC, it's the only person I'm going to talk on Carolina because I can spend about an hour and a half talking about Mr. JC Horn, cornerback out of Carolina, the first defensive player off the board, first cornerback off the board. Won me a lot of money, and I love my boy, JC, David. I can't wait to see him against the fighting Sam Ellingers. Get to see what was working out <laughs> there in Indianapolis. <laughs> Well, yeah, that that got really interesting. I I think you know, I I ultimately I really believe Indianapolis is in the market to get a quarterback. I think a couple of the NFL teams are gonna ship them one or two. They're just gonna have to Nick wait until after the. Well, again, I think they're gonna have to wait till after week uh, after the first preseason game here. See how people come out healthy. They might even have to wait till week. You know, I think that if if they're gonna pay a, a ransom, like a really big price tag for a Nick Foles or somebody else, maybe a Jimmy G, right? If they're going to go out and pay a ransom for somebody, um, they'll get them after this weekend's games. But if they don't want to pay a ransom, then you're going to wind up seeing them maybe after week two, you know, going into week three before, you know, giving them a couple weeks to bring in a veteran and get them up to speed. If it is a Nick Foles, they don't need as much time with him. He knows this offense. He knows his coach. He knows uh, what's going to happen there. So I think that's going to be interesting. And, Again, I think for Indianapolis, again, I'm excited to see Quiddy Pay, Sean Davis. You know, I, I want to see um, these guys compete and try to get upfield and and win jobs. You know, I like when guys are competitive and trying to win jobs. You know, you know the Vanderbilt defensive end, measurable wise, really interesting. Um, Deo, I thought, you know, okay, let's see what he's got. I don't know about Granson, the Southern Myth Miss. Or sorry, Methodist, sorry, Southern Methodist tight end. I don't know him as much. And Sean Davis, the DB from Florida, I like him. Think he plays with his hair on fire. But again, I don't know how he fits the system. For 
me, this was not a typical Indianapolis draft. So it's kind of interesting to see how they're, they approached it. I want to see how these pieces fit into a team that's already pretty solidified. If they just had a good, solid quarterback, they could get, you know, I think they could go a lot of places. So very interested to see how this draft class pans out for Indianapolis. Again, I got a little question mark, not as big as the other two that we just talked about. I got a little question mark here. Um, <laughs> we got a nice question. We got a nice question from Tyler. Do you think yeah. Foles can play at his Super Bowl level again, David? Direct he right didn't play at a Super Bowl level. Let's just be honest. Like Foles doesn't have a Super Bowl level. Foles has one level, which is I I I ran a little pass route and caught a football. That's all he did, and you know what? He didn't screw up the game. So I I don't think Nick Foles won that Super Bowl for him. I think the Eagles just you know what had a really solid team that year. They all came together. Got it, got it done for the organization, for that city of Philly. But to me, I'm not a huge Nick Foles fan, never has been. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and beat the chest. I just think bringing him in, knowing the system, knowing the coach is key here. And if the Bears aren't going to use him and they can get a couple draft picks for him, why not give him up and let him go do it? Um, it's, it'll be an interesting dynamic. Carolina, you know, again, they had 11, they took 11 draft picks this year. They really went young last year in the draft. They went all defense. This year in the draft, like you said, they start with J.C. Horn. They went and got Marshall, a big, tall, wide receiver out of LSU, who I really like pre-draft. I know you did, too. You know, he was a guy that I was like, ooh, here we go. Um, Brady Christensen, the BYU tackle, will be interesting to see how he plays. Tommy Trimble, uh, Trumbull, you're a guy out of Notre Dame tight end, you know. Not my guy. Not my guy. Go ahead. Oh, you you love this guy. I mean, you you were all about him. You were all over him. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking I mean, about. I, I like I like him. He's a good dude, but I I just you know some of the hype is a little undeserved in my opinion. Go ahead, keep going. <laughs> well, and then you know for me, I another Nixon, the defensive tackle out of Iowa. I really want to see him in preseason. I want to see his yeah. strength. I want to see his motor. I want to see how he gets after it. You know, Brown, the guard from Alabama. I'm not a big fan of. I thought he was just too big of a human being. Not somebody that I was really looking forward to. I was like, oh, man, he's just too big. But let's see what he can do. Let's see if he can get in there and mix it up and, you know, make some stuff happen. The other one that I really am excited about is Shai Smith. You know, I think getting Marshall and Shai Smith together and pairing them with Sam Donald and then DJ Moore and other pieces they have there, I I think it would be real. It's going to be a really interesting offense there. So, you know, I'm excited to see what Carolina did. They're so young from last year's draft and this year's draft. I mean, they can't they, – these kids are probably not – they probably don't realize they're not supposed to be good. You know, that's the kind of team I like to watch because they're, they they don't realize they're not supposed to be good. So they're going to win a lot of ball games. I think, because of that. I think they're going to win a lot of ball games this year. I think they might even reach the 9-10 mark because they're this young and they're out there having fun playing football in Carolina. I know Sam Darnold is a big question mark, obviously, but I will say I really like the wide receiver unit that they're building up. You mentioned DJ Moore's got a little bit of inside-outside versatility. He can line up in the slot, can line up as a Z. But then we have Robbie Anderson, who's more of that outside vertical threat. Now we have Terrace Marshall, who kind of fits that mold as well. We have Shai Smith, who's that true slot, manipulate space type of player. Really excited about some of the offensive pieces, at least from a skill position that the Carolina Panthers have. I have a couple new new folks in the chat. Marcus enters marcus what's up brother appreciate you dropping in we have former guest mike singer of bgi dropping in with us what's up mike Mike? good to see you man 
Uh, Marcus, Marcus threw in a Tommy Tremble with some, with some uh, flex in here, man. So he's a big Tommy Tremble fan. Uh, Marcus, I like Tommy, man. I'm a big Notre Dame guy, so like I like Tommy. I just thought it was a little early, just a little bit. Just, that's that's all. That's all I did there. So just my just my opinion on that one. We'll see how it works. I hope he does great. I, I honestly you talk do. about being a fan, Notre but then you're a higher Irish hater. You're an Irish hater. Yes, I'm an Irish hater. Absolutely. Uh, next game, Battle of L.A. Los Angeles Rams taking on the Los Angeles Chargers. I will say this, David. The thing that I am most curious about, and the biggest, because the Rams, I don't really want to, I'm a Rams fan, so like I don't really want to get into their picks too much because we'll say like Tutu Atwell's banged up. Who would have thought he's a 150 pound wide receiver? <laughs> um, matchsticks? You're talking about matchsticks? Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the part that I really want to see, I really want to see is we have, of course, left tackle now for the, for the Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers, still weird to say. I still want to say San Diego. Los Angeles Chargers, we got Mr. Rashawn Slater, rookie out of Northwestern. Now, there's a lot of debate. Is Slater a tackle? Is Slater a guard? 33-inch arms, just you know, just around six foot four. He kind of fits more that guard profile than a true tackle. Well, we get to see him in a defensive line. Obviously, we're not going to see him too much against Aaron Donald unless there's a little bit of slanting his way. But we'll still see him against guys like Leonard Floyd, as the starting left tackle. So he's the guy I want to see. Also, Asante Samuel Jr. to help out that cornerback unit. I just gave them a corner in the first round of my way-too-early 2022 mock draft <laughs> because there is – I mean, they have Michael Davis. They have Chris Harris, but Chris Harris is playing a lot more in the slot than he's playing a true outside corner position. Even if Asante Samuel plays really well, they might still need a, a future corner. But I want to see how Asante Samuel looks working in with that first unit. I want to see uh, Rashawn Slater. The Rams – uh, we'll see, man. Like, I want to see how much run Ernest Jones gets, the rookie linebacker out of South Carolina, because that's a, a second level that might need a guy like him. Uh, we had Marcus that said, David, oh, here's a go and ready. He said that he had uh, Tommy Tremble as tight end two after Kyle Pitts. So he was a big Tremble fan. Woo! I'm sorry, Marcus. I'm sorry. Well, you feel free to sign up for our next Friday Night South School. We'll <laughs> teach you why. I'm a Tommy fan. I'm not hating on Tommy, but he wasn't tight end two. That's all I'm saying. It was a debate. There was a big debate after title one. But, David, going back to the game that we are covering here, Rashawn Slater. I know we talked about it a little bit. I preferred him inside a guard. It's not even just the, the threshold stuff. I felt like what he did best as a football player worked best inside, especially in the run game aspect of everything. But we get to see him against a talented Los Angeles Rams pass rush. We get to see him in some adverse situations early, protecting Justin Herbert's. Who are some rookies that you want are interested to see in this game? You know, if I, I'm with you. I thought Slater was again picked too high because I see him as a guard. Somebody's going to move inside. I think people are stretching because offensive linemen are hard to find, and they're just hoping, fingers crossed, and hoping they're going to get a guy. And if they miss on him, they can move him inside and get some, you know, get some value from him at this point in time. And again, like you said, the Chargers go and get Asante Samuel. Excited to see him. Josh Palmer was a receiver I really liked. Thought he was a clean route runner. Thought he was a guy at Tennessee that made some plays. One of my favorite tight ends, you know, Trey McKinney. Uh, you know, Trey McKinney all, is like so, all, all six catches. Size 11 hands, baby. Yeah, you know, right. I'm all about it. I, I mean, he burst onto the scene at Senior Bowl, and I was all about it. I was like, look at this bad boy. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, so yeah. I was all about it. And then again, Chris Rump, the linebacker um, out of Duke, was somebody I was really interested in. I liked a lot. Um, so 
you know, for me, when I you know, round tree, late round pick, running back, Mark Webb again fell in the draft. I I, I can't remember why. I think you had the reasons why um, it, during Mark the draft. Webb, huh? Just didn't, he just didn't but, play that much in Georgia. He was just kind of a Swiss Army knife, never really started. And he was just kind of a height weight speed guy. So, but that's what I'm saying. He's a height weight speed guy. They picked up way down at like 241, and he played ball. If you look at their draft, everybody was like. Big school, Florida State, Tennessee, Georgia, Nebraska, Iowa, Miss, uh, Missouri, Georgia. I mean, they went big school all the way through and laid. Uh, so I'm going to see what this draft class. I'm excited about it for the you know the Chargers. I want to see what the new coaching staff does with them and everything. So you know, I'm pretty excited there. And then you go over to the you know Los Angeles. I don't know what happened. Like I, it's we talked about it. I don't. The Rams. I, the Rams always have vicarious drafts, man. But like some of them work out. Look like, at you with the SAT dudes. words tonight. Jesus, I'm just throw saying, all your man. Like, around. Let, David, perfect example. 2020 NFL draft. They draft Jordan Fuller in the sixth round. Who I'll be very honest about. You, you had to call your misses here, right? I was not a fan of Jordan Fuller at Ohio State. I was not at all. But he ended up playing fantastic for the Rams. So like. I'm going to give him a benefit of the doubt for a little bit. I'm You can't sell me on the 2-2 pick right now. You definitely can't, especially when a guy like Creed Humphrey was sitting there at Oklahoma Center and the Rams have a need at center. You'll never be able to sell it on me. But, like, I'm going to give some guys the benefit of the doubt. Ernest Jones, again, was a guy I like that's out of South Carolina. They got Bobby Brown. I'm going to give these guys some time to prove themselves because the Rams have pulled some questionable picks out of their butt at times and have kind of panned out a little bit. So, going to give them the benefit of the doubt for now. So. Yeah, I'm I'm not. So I'm killing <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> You know, again, I think like the the two two who ran on matchsticks, that's why I call him matchsticks because he's so thin. You should have known better. That was a come on, man. You should know better. And then Ernest Jones, linebacker out of South Carolina, I wasn't as high as him as you are. I was like, again, a pick one oh three. There was other players on the board. Um, you get into the you know Jake Funk from Maryland. I again didn't get it. Don't understand we it. Want the funk. Yeah, just didn't, I mean, unless you just want to play that that song in preseason, you know, all the way through. I mean, I just every one of their picks, I just didn't see it, didn't get it. Thought there was like you go to the the Chargers, big school, big play kind of guys. I thought you know height, weight, speeds, you know players that you know had lineage and history to them. They all started a lot of games. Um, except for McKinney, you know, he was a player that just measurable, real, really good. Um, and then you come over to, you know, you come over to St. L- uh, the, the Rams, and, man, I, I just scratch my head. And, they, you know, they might hit one or two of these guys, and I'll be wrong on one or two, but they've had nine draft picks. And if I'm betting on this, you know, they're going to they're, they're gonna have seven guys gone within the next three years out of this draft class. They drafted a lot of special teamers. Let's get off the Rams for a second. I know Adrian said that he liked the Robert Rochelle pick as a developmental corner that can hit in the future. He was like a, a, a little shade under six foot corner who ran in the four threes, had a 40 plus inch vert. So like he has some measurables to work with. I would agree there. Uh, Tyler said I had a 4.0 GPA. If he means just in gym class, then possibly it may have been a thing. Um, and then Tyler actually threw out a question, David, this is an interesting one. I would love your insight here. Is Kyle Pitts going to put up good numbers? But Tyler asked more specifically, throw out some projections. This, so historically, rookie tight ends have not produced at an incredibly high level. There's been some meh outputs. Um, if we're putting numbers on it, Julio Jones is out the door. I will say that we're going to be working with for Kyle Pitts as a rookie about, I'll say 55 catches for 750 yards and six touchdowns. 
What do you think? Oh, man. Um, I'll say he got, I'll say 63 catches, 63 catches for probably 889 yards, something like that. Wow, that's I, yard per I, catch. I like it. Yeah, I think I think he I think he's going to catch some, and, and especially early, where people aren't going to you know understand his speed. They're not going to adjust to it just yet. They're not going to respect it just yet. And then later in the year, they're going to you know they'll, they'll they'll double him up a little bit. And uh, I think he'll, but I you know what I do think he'll re, he'll get nine touchdowns. I think he'll get nine touchdowns. Wow, that's a big number. Nine touchdowns it, is big for a rookie. That's a big number. It is, and and uh, but I think you know they're gonna uh, Dave Ragone's offensive coordinator down there. He's a friend of mine, and I know how he likes his tight ends. And so for me, I think Dave's going to be creative with ways to get Pitts and move him around, especially down inside the ten yard line. Use that athleticism and his catch radius to to get him the ball and you know arthur uh smith right the new head coach on there we saw what he did with tight ends in in tennessee so i think that for me early this kid's gonna have some early success he might struggle a little bit later because defenses will make the adjustment to him and um but again i think you're gonna see some some good red zone production out of him so last game with a touch on was the bears versus the dolphins i hope my pops is listening of course a lifelong dolphins fan over there so sorry, Pots. What we're about <laughs> yeah. to do. Um, so all right. So if you want to cremate the Dolphins for a second, I'm gonna say the part that I'm very excited about for the Chicago Bears, we get to see Justin Fields. And I'm very curious to see it because we're already hearing the noises like you cannot not play Justin Fields in favor of Andy Dalton. You can't do it. And you've seen some plays that he's kind of pulled out so far in camp. Justin looks good, man. He looks really good. I agree. I don't think Andy Dalton can stop you from playing Justin Fields on a Bears team that's not that good. Like I, I need, I want to see Justin Fields play football. So I am excited here, David. Justin Fields is the main cog. It's the main piece that I want to see. We also got guys like Tevin Jenkins, who I was a big fan of that I could not believe fell to the second round to the Chicago Bears. Apparently he's playing left tackle, which I'm not a big fan of because he was a right tackle at, at Oklahoma State and he was a damn good one and he's got a little bit of shorter arms. So like I don't love that too much, but I think he's a damn good football player. And I'm excited to see Justin Fields this week. You know, like we were talking about the the Giants having a really good draft this year and looking like a Giants draft, right? Dang it, this Bears draft. I mean, come on. They did That's a good. good draft this year. Now, I'm not a huge Justin Fields guy. I think he really struggles reading defenses. I think, but again, they got him at pick 11, and that's a great value. And they're outside the top 10 money to get him. And and you know what? If he if you hit on him, God bless you, God bless you. You know what I mean? And and I, and I think in preseason he has a chance to look good because he's going to go up against a lot of base coverages and different things are going to be easy to read. I think it's when you get into re- the regular season where the defensive coordinators are moving people around last minute, they're disguising stuff, the veterans are all out there. That's where he's going to see some growing pains. But let's just talk about, like you said, Tevin Jenkins late in the second round, Larry uh, Borum, right, the Missouri kid. Borum, Borum, Larry Borum. In the fifth round, and then the, in the sixth, they still picked up Herbert. They picked up Newsom, the North oh, Carolina. 
I forgot Khalil Herbert, man. I loved Khalil. Herbert. That's what I'm saying. And then they go and get, backs, and then they go and get oh. your guy. Uh, was it the Graham kid, the DB? You liked him, and then they go get the big defensive tackle out of uh, BYU, uh, Tonga. So I mean, another. This was like one of the better drafts that I've seen Chicago pull together, stream it, and sew together. I'm excited to see what they, these guys, these young guys can do. You know, again, I don't care if Andy Dalton's playing or Fields playing. I don't think they're going to be very good as a team. I don't. I think the Bears aren't going to be very good as a team. But this young draft class, I think they drafted really well. And I'm excited to see what these young players do in the preseason. You take that to, go ahead. Yeah. And I, I was just going to say, I'm excited too, because if Magnaggy does not let us pass this year, the next head coach, man, like it's not a, it's a pretty desirable job to be honest because there's some young dudes there man like if you you have Allen robinson you need to figure out a long-term investment there at wide receiver you still got some dudes on defense like roquan smith eddie jackson you got justin fields hopefully pans out obviously khalil herbert with david montgomery like there's some dudes over there man like it's not a it's not a barren roster there's some things to work with in chicago no absolutely i'm I'm 100 with you on it you know in last year's draft um, you know, I, I scratched my head a little bit, but they still picked a cup, picked up a couple guys that were pretty good. So, again, they got some, they got some building blocks, they got some stones that they can build off of. Miami now, again, Jalen Waddle is ridiculous. Let's I love Jalen, brother. I love ridiculous. He's yeah. just. He's a rare individual, rare speed, rare stop and start, rare change direction, rare, 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 rare. So after that, though, it's like, huh? Oh, can we talk about this real quick? I, I need to throw this in here because I know you're going to Liam Eichenberg at some point too, the offensive tackle from Notre Dame, right? The biggest – and I know it's early in camp, so like we'll see what happens, but it is so bad right now. They drafted him to play right tackle because they're moving Robert Hunt into guard, right, who I like I like a lot, Robert Hunt, second-year player out of Louisiana Tech. Um, but anyway, they so they get – um, they actually Louisiana. I'm sorry, I said Louisiana Tech for out of Louisiana and Lafayette. Um, but anyway, so they get they get Eichenberg because that's the last missing piece. You know, they they figured out their center position. Hopefully, they have a couple guards. They drafted Austin Jackson. Like they needed a right tackle to make it all work. Liam Eichenberg. They had to move into guard because apparently it just wasn't good at tackle, man. And now they got Jesse Davis potentially starting at right tackle again, at what he, like he did a couple years ago. Eichenberg not being able to play tackle is a bad thing for this team, man. It's a really bad thing. I'm sure he'll be a good guard. I'm sure he will because he's technically sound. He plays physically. He's he's an opposing player. Like he plays hard. He plays tough. He's going to be a solid guard, I'm sure. But the fact that he can't play tackle is bad for the Miami Dolphins. It's really bad. No, and I agree with you. I I, I think Eichenberg again. When I saw him, was at Senior Bowl, and I liked him and stuff. It was at guard mainly. I thought he took some good reps, and he could get you out of a game at tackle. But um, you know where I like him is guard. I think he's going to find a home there and be a really good player. Um, I thought Hunter Long was an interesting pick for them. I, again, they already had a tight end there, and now they go get Long, and they already added Waddle. So I'm like. What's going on? Jalen Phillips, again, like him. Just don't see him as a fit with the defense. I oh, like Jalen Phillips. I think monster he's a monster, guy. but I just don't know his, you know, his fit with their defense. That's all I'm in. I'm anxious to see what the fit is. So 
you know, and then Dokes, the running back, I think it's an interesting pick late. So again, yeah. I'm I'm interested to see how they're building last year's draft class. I gave them like an A on it. I thought they did a great job, bang up job. The only thing I didn't like is they drafted to, uh, Tua Liga, Tua out, out instead of Herbert. I wanted them to take Herbert, you know, that fifth spot, but they wound up passing on him and they got Tua. So we'll see if Tua pans out and what it looks like for there. And they had some good building blocks from last year. I think this year they got another young crew, Chris Greer and uh, and the coaching staff down there, you know, need to develop them. But we'll see. I think Phillips, again, he has a chance to be a dominant player. I just don't know how he fits in this system. And again, I, I don't know where uh, – I, with if they, if they truly let Eichenberg move inside, then I, then I'm more on board with that pick because I think you know I think that's better a better spot for him. I'm excited. I know we're looking at rookies, but I'm excited for two in year two. I've already had a great camp, um, fully healthy off season. So I'm excited to see what he puts together. We got Jack Despo joining the show. Jack, you got to text me. I got to ask you something by the way. So Jack Despo says hi, friends. Um, one segment we want to do, we want to hit some mailbag questions. Obviously, we went a little long in this section because it's only how we do. Before we get to the next section, though, are you looking for coaching on how to tackle interviews or how to prepare for the professional environment after your college career is over? Contact Maverick Sports Consulting to help you be prepared as, as scouting pulls through your school as you meet with boosters and sponsors to ensure you can see the opportunities in front of you and you're prepared to take advantage of them. Use the same training that has been proven to work on Odell Beckham Jr., Todd Gurley, Dante Fowler Jr., Marcus Peters, and many, many more. If you want to invest in your career that has a proven track record of working, contact Maverick Sports Consulting today. Jack Dispo, hope you are doing well as well, my friend. Doing well as well. That's very clunky. But, yes, I hope you are doing extremely well. David, I want to get to some mailbag questions. Man, we had a lot of guy, a lot of questions. Going to try to get to as many as we possibly can. Probably not going to get to each one. But, like, hey, let's try to do the best. Uh, first one that we'll go through. Oh, uh, man. Oh, here's a good one. All right. So, Mitch, Mitchell Wolf, Mitchell T. Wolf on Twitter asks, should versatility – be considered a trait when scouting prospects. Should versatility be considered a trait when scouting prospects? So I'll start here, David, if I can. Um, is versatility a trait? No, versatility is not a trait. Versatility is so you know we're talking about the ability to do multiple things, which is fantastic. That makes you more valuable. I wouldn't say it's a trait, though. The traits are what allow you to be versatile. It's like, hey, if you're a guy that's can play inside, outside, at corner, you would have a trait of, like, hey, you, you have the ability to play on the outside. Maybe that means that you could play well at the catch point. You can kind of be a disruptive player at the line of scrimmage if you're a press man corner. But, hey, maybe you also have the ability to move inside at nickel and have quick change of direction and quick and close and be a tenacious run defender so you can do multiple things. So that's the traits that allow you to be versatile but being versatile is not actually a trait, if that makes sense. Did I sum that up pretty good, David? Yes, I think you did. Because, you know, again, it, being versatile isn't a trait. It's a, its ability to move around and play multiple positions. Traits are high right, traits. The traits, right, yeah, the traits help you be versatile. They help you right, be versatile. Exactly. Exactly. You, you, that's exactly it. All right, so we had another question. Uh, Hussam asked, do you love me? Hassam, I'm not answering that. Uh, next question is, 
Uh, Tyler asked that he was in the chat before he said, Roberts, will Michigan State be able to take that next step? They won three Big Ten championships in the 2010s and got bounced out of the college football playoff semifinals in 2015. What will it take for them to reach that next level of winning a college football playoff game, and how long will it take? A lot of questions there, David. Wow. Um, I don't know if you keep up with Michigan State football too much. I will say – Think it's going to be a little bit of a road for Michigan State right now. Ohio State is dominating that conference. Um, it's it's a little bit of a mixed bag. We've seen you know years where Wisconsin is the team to beat. We've seen t- uh, years where Northwestern, like this past year, where they're a really t- a, a tough team. Indiana's had their had their spurt this year. I don't know, man. I, I think first and foremost, you're playing it. You're in the same state as Michigan Wolverines, and I know Wolverines have been down in recent years as well. But I think the first step to being relevant is that you have to dominate the state of Michigan. You have to be the unquestioned best team in Michigan because for now you're going to be fighting with Michigan for recruits. You're in the same region. You're in the same state. The Michigan you have to lock down the state of Michigan to begin with. Here, I think it's going to be a little bit of a long road for the Spartans. I don't know if you have any insight on the Spartans, David, or if I should move on. No, I, well, I mean, uh, two, two seconds to real quick is I think Michigan State's got a long road to recover. I think, you know, they used to be one of the top programs in the country and, they, you know, they still have pride and tradition there. They have to lock down their recruiting and not lose uh, players out of the state of Michigan. They used to get a ton of players from Michigan and then they would scoop up some Florida kids and some Texas kids to come up there and play. Um, I think they need to skip back on that in order to, to return to greatness uh, or at least get into the mix and conversation. Yeah, we had we had some upcoming draft questions, so I'll buzz through this one. Shout out to FCS Nation Radio. Um, really awesome, uh, awesome profile. If you guys want to go take a look, they do a great job over there at FCS Nation Radio. Great people. Will this be a banner year for FCS guys in the draft? Absolutely, man. I really think so. I think we've had a couple of down years in a row. Obviously, a lot of kids went back to school, but I think the depth this year for the FCS is fantastic. I think that there's going to be between 15 to 20 guys drafted from the FCS ranks because we also had a lot of guys, besides for guys returning, we also had some guys transferring down as well with the transfer portal issues of trying to figure out like where guys fit. So I think FCS is absolutely going to be a banner year as far as draft prospect. Here's a good question, David. Addison Wilmon says, maybe too vague of a question, but if you had to start a franchise, okay, we had to start a franchise without choosing skill position players or defensive end pass rusher edge players is what he called them. Okay. So we're, we can't, you can't pick skill position players. So no quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs. And you also can't pick um, defensive ends or outside linebackers in an odd man front. What position would they, you address first? He's been trying to figure out what, uh, how to position these, these positions in terms of positional value. So if you had to pick a position, David, no skill position players, pass rushers. I think I know the answer is pretty easy, but go ahead. As left tackle. Yes. Yes. Which might be <laughs> besides quarterback, that might be my number two. So yes. Yeah, it's a no it's a no brainer. You if you can't take a quarterback, you take the left tackle to to whoever is your quarterback, make sure his ass is covered. Like you don't you don't leave his ass, you know, floating out there in the wind. You gotta have a left tackle. So Yeah. Uh, that's I, simple. 
I, I've been going back and forth with uh, Bengals fans for the last like couple weeks, David, because I still can't believe that they passed on uh, Penny Sewell for Jamar Chase. Yeah. I love Jamar Chase, but I still can't believe they passed on Penny Sewell. Sorry. Sorry I can't either. That, I'm so glad you didn't pick that game for us tonight because I, w- I, w- I would have lost. We would have lost a lot of fans because I would have went off again. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. It's um. Yeah, man. I, I don't know. I don't even know what to say anymore about it. Uh, Ro- uh, Robo15 underscore said, who is your fa- top nose tackle and who would you pair him to? I wanted to touch on this one, David, because I have a great answer. Great answer, okay? Jordan Davis, defensive tackle out of Georgia. Verified measurables, David. You ready for this? 6'6 six, six and some change. I think it's like 6'6 six, six and an eighth. So 6'0, six, 6'1. And 360 pound nose tackle. Reminds me of... John Henderson that used to play with the Jacksonville Jaguars, who was also like 6'6 and 340, 350 pounds. Like, dude was a yeah, Henderson was rocked up, dude. Rock- Henderson was all muscle. He's not David's pretty he's big, bro. Fat. He's pretty big. Now he's Davis really isn't like I thought he was gonna be like just like this sloppy dude. Go look up a picture of a man. Like he's he's got some good weight on him. He's not really like just this pompous, fat ass nose tackle. Like he's got he's got an okay body to him. So Jordan Davis reminds me a lot of John Henderson. I think the question with Jordan Davis now becomes how high do these run stopping, no real pass rush outputs type of nose tackles? How how high of an upside do they have as far as draft capital wise? But I do think Jordan Davis is a good football player, and I think that he is going to have a role on the next level without a doubt. So that's the top nose tackle. Uh, let's see. okay. Well, here's a good one. Jonathan Green. Shout out to Jonathan. He's asked a couple questions before. Is it all but a foregone conclusion? for the Houston Texans to take a quarterback with pick one, assuming they like anyone that much, or could they go Thibodeau? Because once they're finally able to trade Watson, they'll have enough capital um, to be in the quarterback market. So question is, David, uh, It's assu- this is assuming, and it seems like Deshaun Watson's days are, are over. When everything is kind of figured out, he's going to be traded. Is it a foregone conclusion that then, if, they, if the Houston Texans do have the first overall pick, which it looks pretty likely with the roster right now, um, is it a foregone conclusion that they go quarterback or are you a favor of, Hey, if maybe I go Kayvon Thibodeau defensive end out of Oregon, I start to rebuild what is a terrible roster. It's going to, it's going to depend on what they do in free agency. Again, it all depends on what they're going to do. Um, in free agency, you know, with, uh, Nick Cesario coming in from new England and, uh, you know, possibly Cam Newton being available or, even uh, Fitzpatrick being available because he's only, I believe, on a one-year deal there in um, Washington. You know, there's going to be some guys next year that hit the market. I, I don't even know. I might be wrong on this, but I think David Carr might become available next year. So there's a few players that are going to hit the market. So if they if they address the quarterback with a veteran, which I think Cesario might do, it's kind of in his DNA to do that, um, yeah. then I wouldn't say it's a foregone conclusion they would take a rookie quarterback, number one overall. Mike Thibodeau might be the guy, so they would have a young defensive stud come in there and help out the pass rush and stuff and build a, build a nice Texans defense around the pass rush. Um, that all being said, we, we really got to see that, you know, again, I believe they only had six guys on contract for next year. Most of the, this team, yeah, most of this team is going to be turned over two years in a row. So it's just, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a hard, hard fought battle down there for Nick and the, and his crew to get this team turned around in so, any kind of uh, fashion. 
And last question, David, start thinking about your final thought here. Mr. Bill Carroll, shout out to Bill. Fantastic follow also on Twitter. He asked who the top FCS strong safety prospects are. I will say, um, Bill, I haven't gone too much into some FCS strong safeties yet, but I will say one guy that I did actually get some eyes on that I am excited about, and I think the Senior Bowl actually posted something about him, Jim Nagy posted, Marquise Bell, who is a safety out of Florida A&M. Six foot three, 205 pounds. I had to mention him, David, because he's from Bridgeton, New Jersey. So, Of course Bell, you did. Of course Florida you did. Florida A&M, 6'3", pounds. Very nice frame to work with down there at Florida A&M which, of course, is a HBCU. So we always support HBCUs on this podcast. want to thank everybody. This was fantastic. Great interaction here tonight. Great questions. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Math Sports Take, episode 52, each and every week. We're going to end with a final thought from Mr. David Turner. My final thought is simply football is back, baby. Nothing better. We are very close to college football, which is better than NFL, but that's a different conversation for a different time. David, your final thought for the people tonight, friend. This was a fantastic episode. No, thanks for everybody. Again, the interaction, the love, the support you guys give us and showing up for the uh, showing up on a on a Tuesday night, week in and week out, what, 52 episodes in now that, you know, you guys are always here for us and we appreciate it. We love talking ball. We love talking sports. We love bringing, you know, topics that you want to hear about. So please, you know, follow, like, hit Hit us up, Ryan, myself, on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Tell us what topics you want us to cover. You know, we don't always have to talk football. It's just something that Ryan and I are junkies about. You bring something to the table. We'll we'll plan and, and put the program around it. You know, we want to bring you the topics you want to hear about, which isn't always uh, what we want to talk about, but we'll make it happen for you. Thank you, everybody. I will obviously be uh, thinking about you and, um, you know, appreciate, appreciate y'all. Like, quote, tweet, retweet, share. Give us a rate on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate everybody so much. We will see you again, same time, same place, next week for Mav Sports Take. Again, it's episode 52, signing off. Thanks for listening to another episode of Mav Sports Take. Connect with us on social media. Share your thoughts on today's episode. And tell us what we should take on next time on Mav Sports Take. Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit maverick and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.